This is Wordfall, with historical novelist Rosanna M. White, offering our words to the Lord at the crossroads of faith, family, and fiction. A lesson from Peter. A while back, we were reading through Matthew in our Bible study, really digging deep, as we tend to do in our Bible studies. So one weekend, we were in the middle of Matthew 14, which is quite a chapter. It's where we learn about the beheading of John and how Jesus sought some solitude after getting the news, tried to go off by himself, only to be followed by a little bit of a crowd that he ended up feeding. You you may know that story. So after that miraculous meal, Jesus sends the disciples off on a boat, and he goes to get that prayer time that was interrupted before, and then catches up with them in the middle of a storm-tossed lake on foot. So these familiar stories that we know oh so very well can sometimes be harder to dig deeper into because we've heard them so many times. We just assume we know what they're saying and what they mean and what the importance of it really is. But sometimes something new jumps out at you, right? And that's what happened this time when I was reading through it. So as Jesus is walking to the disciples on the water, they see him and think it's an apparition. So the Greek word used there is phantasma from which we get the word phantom, but it was mostly used to mean vision, um, not a disembodied spirit. Most of the time, the disembodied spirit idea was used, uh, they used angelos, which is our word for angel. But regardless, the disciples were a little freaked out, to say the least. Now, Jesus was quick to say, hey, chill out, it's just me. That is not a paraphrase at all, totally his exact words. So we all know what Peter said in response, right? But have we ever really thought about it? I mean, look at this. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. That was Peter's response. Um, what? Have you ever reacted that way? I mean, Lord, if that's you nudging me to do something, command me to perform a miracle. Lord, if that's you tugging on my heart, tell me to jump out of the airplane. Lord, if that's you beside me in my troubled times, tell me to do the impossible. That is not the human response. We never ask for anyone, even God, to prove himself by having us do something risky and awe-inspiring. We might ask him to do it, maybe. But in this passage, he already was. He was walking on the water already. I mean, who else could it have been? That takes a particular kind of faith that Peter invokes. And as my husband said, I wonder if this is the moment where it became so clear that Peter was the rock on which the church should be built because he's the only one out of all the disciples who greeted terror with, Lord, let's do something miraculous together. Yes, he did take his eyes off Jesus, and when he did so, he began to sink. But let's not forget that first he not only asked to join him, he demanded it as proof. Do we do that? Do we demand as proof of our Lord's identity that he do something amazing through us? Should we? When Peter and Jesus make it back to the boat, the storm ceases and the wind dies down. And the disciples all say, for the first time in the Gospel of Matthew, wow, this dude is the son of God. Why? Why did they proclaim it then? Just a few chapters before, Jesus calmed another storm on a tumultuous sea and it made them ask who he was, made them wonder. Why this time did it become clear? My first thought was that it was because he did that little walking on water thing. But many prophets had subdued nature in the laws of physics before. I mean, we have Elijah praying for no rain, then for rain, making an axe head float, making oil never run out. We have dead men springing to life by just touching his bones. These are all miracles that defy the laws of nature. So Jesus calming storms made them certain he was at least a prophet. 
But there's a big difference between a prophet and the son of God. A prophet could have calmed the storm. A prophet may have even been able to walk on water. I mean, if an axe head can float, why not a person? As I debated this question, though, there was only one thing I could come up with that really set this incident apart as son of God unique. And that was Peter. That Jesus could command Peter to come to him. So far as I can recall, no other prophet ever conferred the miracle like that. I mean, they did have people act in faith, sure. Uh, Naaman had to go dip in the Jordan five times. The widow had to pour out the oil and make the cake. But the miracle was still not performed by them. We always knew it was the prophet doing it. Peter, however, partook in the miracle. He was the doer of it. Much like the disciples went out and did the work in Jesus' name, that means that Jesus had to have the authority in order to grant it to them. And who had that authority? The heir, the son of the Most High God. Now, I have always had a soft spot in my heart for Peter, and in this passage, he really taught me something about what my faith should be. It shouldn't just ask for God to do something. It should demand that God do it through me. It should demand to partake of the miracle, not just to watch it, but to do it, to be a co-heir, to have some of that authority. Whenever I'm in doubt, I shouldn't say, Lord, show me the way I should go. I should be saying, Lord, do the impossible through me. Check out rosannamwhite.com for information about me or my books and to subscribe to my newsletter. This episode of Wordfall is brought to you by the Tea Party Book Club. Books, tea, great conversation, all from the convenience of your own home. To see what this month's book is and to reserve a seat, go to rosannamwhite.com and click the Tea Party Book Club tab or follow the link in the show notes. Wordfall is a proud part of the Whitefire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast for other shows I know you'll love.